If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Hi, Marleya. <laughs> uh, we're back in the pod basement, finally. We are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It feels so good to be here. <laughs> it does. Like, nobody's looking at us. <sighs> so nice. We're not dressed in we're fancy not, clothes. We're going to have to put the makeup on. Or... Though we did look we pretty did. badass yeah. at PodX last week it. in Nashville. <laughs> we did. Everybody was looking at us like, who are those ladies? Yeah, I don't think that's quite why they're looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, why are they here? That's right. <laughs> and why are they laughing so loud and what's wrong with them? That's right. And why is everybody wearing black? <laughs> but really, they shouldn't be asking that because like, there's a lot of people dressed in black. Yes, we had a blast in Nashville. Oh my gosh. We were at PodX last weekend, PodX convention at yeah. the Music City Center, and, and we did a Nashville. live show. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it, yeah, it was lots of fun. We had new people show up. Well, I mean, the only people we knew were our people. I mean, right. we brought bartender Courtney and both of our spouses and... That's it, right? That's it, yes. So everybody else was new to us, and they were awesome. I know, and hopefully, you know, shout out to new listeners from Pod X. Yes. We are so happy that you have joined us. Thank you for playing with us. Those yes. of you who responded to us when we were chatting, chit-chatting everybody in our nervous state before exactly. our show. Exactly, and I, I would go around giving awkward hugs to people. <laughs> I'm not a hugger, so me giving a hug <laughs> is even more awkward, but it's like I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to grab your body and hug it. <laughs> I thought that was gone with the Me Too movement, Patrice. Oh, I know. And after I would do it, I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm like worse than was it Joe Biden. Oh, my God. Don't call Joe Biden out on this. Sorry. Sorry. No, Donald Trump. No, you're not worse than Donald Trump. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, my God. That's so horrible. I feel like I've never said anything worse to anyone in my life. I'm going to leave now. Oh, she's sad. I'm so Sorry. Oh, but yeah, not a hugger. And I was hugging everybody. I think I was just so relieved after um, our podcast that it wasn't like, it didn't go down in flames as bad <laughs> as I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, this is uh, episode 24, so hopefully by now you listened to the live show 23. Yes. I'm having to get everything like in my head situated because we just received the live show yesterday and we're going to put it up first. So this will be next week's episode. So, so we're speaking to you from the past. The future? The future? Are we speaking no, to you from past. the future no. or the past? No, it's the past. You're right. We're speak but, but we <laughs> are, are we always doing that? <laughs> this is why we're not quantum physicists. <laughs> yeah, this is why we just tell stories on the, <laughs> That's right. the internet radio. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so many shout outs and so many funny things that mm -hmm. happened. Um, first of all, my husband, who has never listened to any of our podcast um, <laughs> at all, was more nervous than I was uh, <laughs> about our. He was reading my nervousness. Well, yeah, he. <laughs> you were chill. I was just. I like, was. Yeah, I was just like, it's gonna be. I have low expectations for myself, so I'm like, you know, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. And if I say something stupid, which I managed to say a couple of stupid things, <laughs> it'll be fine in the grand scheme of things, right? But he was so nervous, and bless his heart. He didn't say anything to me because then I would have been really nervous. But <laughs> after the show, he just kept going, y'all did so good. He's like, y'all really, you know, work well together. And I'm like, doy. <laughs> That's why we're still doing this. Well, he's like, you really like, yeah. He's like, you know, you really seem to know what you're doing. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> But he was like, no, he's like, the reason I'm saying it is like, I got really worried last night because he was watching me prep my notes for my story. And when I do notes, um, I don't write whole sentences, 
and and I learned this from when we did our first Peerless live show is that I have to have words jump out at me so that I can find my place quickly. If I look up and get involved in some other conversation and then I got to get back on track. If it's just block text, I'm just looking basically at a cement wall. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just nothing, nothing mm-hmm. registers. So I have to have like little things that grab at me from my notes so that I can get back on track and so I was doing that for my show notes um, for this story that I did at Pod X. And so he's like, <laughs> Chad goes, my Chad, um, drummer Chad. He goes, yeah, he's like, oh, I just I just knew that this was going to go down in flames because I looked over there <laughs> and I saw that you typed out, Cody got bit. <laughs> he's like... And then you highlighted it and put it in blue. And he was like, oh, shit. (laughs) This is going to be bad. (laughs) But I have to have things in the simplest form. So I know, like, where I am in the story. And that's, you know, at that time, I needed to tell you about, you know, Cody Coots being bit. (laughs) But it just, like, cracked me up just because he talked to me all the way home on our drive home about, like, you know, his expectations and how we far exceed, at least his expectations from me, (laughs) how far exceeded them. Isn't it nice? (laughs) We can, everyone keep your expectations low and that way we'll always feel like we're doing a great job. It was so funny because I was nervous and I had two people constantly feeding me validation like up mm-hmm. until they were like it'll be fine it's always fine you right. do a great job it'll be fine it's I gonna know. be good and I, was and I like, saw how nervous you were and I was like <laughs> should I be that nervous too I'm like no nah, Marlea man she does such a great job uh, I was sh- like I, I'm just gonna do what I do so you know it's important because those are like <laughs> honestly it's probably not super healthy but that is like a that is a workup part of my process of getting ready to do anything that's like performance based mm-hmm. and I realized I've done it since I did poetry readings back in the day and, and even if I wasn't reading myself I would get like that right anxiety pre-show that just it could last like 24 hours but and oh, this was actually I pretty was, mild compared to what I could have been like yeah I was I was really <laughs> feeling for you again I had the total fuck it mentality love which it. was really great for my nerves so again, love it low expectations not disappointing anybody <laughs> Well, we had a blast and everybody seemed to enjoy it pretty well. As Patrice pointed out, nobody left our session, mm. which was really nice. Um, right. And that was many like, people did leave other people. I know. I was like, oh. um, so, yeah. And then we got to finish up at like, you know, 140 on Friday and we had another whole day and a half. Day of and a half. Oh. Learning stuff. Yeah. Meeting people. And then hopefully that this recording sounds better than the past recordings because we totally came home with a bunch of new knowledge about podcast and how we should be doing, um, you know, this whole I don't want to call it a business because this is so much fun for me and Marlea. We don't want it to be business because that's just like downer word. It's going to ruin it if we It's going it to ruin business. it, right? <laughs> but how we can improve it for the listener. So we like... Upped, that's you! That is you. So we upped our equipment. We're on new equipment. Um, it's very fancy. I know. And I'm so excited. And this equipment can actually go on the road with us, which yes. another exciting thing that happened when we got back, we automatically have this opportunity... Um, but um, we're not going to tell you. But we're not going to tell you about it. It's in July. We will yes. tell you. And and it is like drivable from our current locale. But um, right, Central Alabama, going to have another live show. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited about yes, it. Yes, it's going to be super cool. So we're, we're totally looking forward to that. Yes. And we will tell you more details coming up. So keep listening so that you can know the details yes and also i want to give a shout out to heather who came by and listened to um our podcast uh live show and gave us a shout out of being shy which i totally gave her one of my awkward hugs (laughs) so um yes but she's amazing and she joined our fan club which Mm -hmm. we'll talk about in a little bit and then ginger who we kept running into and i get again she gave i gave her another awkward hug yeah (laughs) i need to stop touching people (laughs) 
I think Ginger's a hugger, though. It's okay. okay. It's okay yeah. with Ginger. So I'm just like, it's really weird because I'm not a hugger either. I'm like, why am I like, trying to hug people oh when I'm not a can, hugger? In my head, I'm just picturing you like reaching out like stiltingly with tears I, in your eyes. I know. Like, it's like, I don't want to hug you. Why am I forcing this hug on both of us? I don't know. Well, yes, they were super cool. And I actually ended up sitting behind Heather later when we were at the Ono, Ross and Carrie show live show on Saturday. And we just had a whole long conversation before and she's super cool and fun. So, yeah, that was fun. And we had a couple from Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, that came. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Uh, If I even told. Anyway, uh, (laughs) if if I even asked, because, you know, after the show. We, I was totally in like, thank God it's over with, oh, um, just kind of processing the whole thing. And we had Simone from Polygon yes, come up to us, the Polygon show, which I'm sorry, I didn't know anything about because... I'm an old woman. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you game. Yeah, but I do game, and I don't know anything about it. So it's like an all-female show talking about gaming, which I think is amazing and about time. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally going to start listening and start, like, you know, telling all the female gamers that I know about it, which I know quite a bit. Yeah, um, and there are a lot of you out there in our listenership, I think. But, yeah, if you don't know the Polygon show, check it out, because I listened to it, and it was – I don't game. Right. And it was still entertaining for me. Yes. Because they're fun and they're, you know, they just have a really good rapport. I actually met one of the other hosts of that show randomly in the bathroom at the HQ Barcade. <laughs> Thank God Nashville. I wasn't there to give an awkward Oh hug. my God. No bathroom hugs. <laughs> But no, I met I met Chelsea, who was on the Women in Podcasting right. panel, too. Oh, she, my God. She, and she was standing, yes. and I was like, oh, you're Polygon Girl. And she's like, yeah, and we had a very, like, a, a little exchange back and forth. And then I did what I always do in these situations in bars, where I'm like, okay, we talked. I'm done. And I'm like, what? You know, like, because that's my awkward. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's how I do you that. talk. Well, at least like, you're hey, not well, touching we're... them, right? <laughs> But no, do listen to them, the Polygon show. We actually also met uh, somebody else who was in our audience was a guy named Jeff who does a brand new podcast called Rack Focus, which is um, which is movie reviews. And some of them are specific to he kind of separated out like children's families, parents without children kind of situation. Oh, and and I know some nice. of us are interested in that kind of stuff. He was very cool. Um yeah, so there were a lot of people to shout out. Yeah, um, and one of the last shout outs I had, I got two really, um, is to the barista. And again, I didn't get his name because it was at a coffee shop and it was flooded. It was like right across from the Music City Center where we were doing the conference. Um, he worked at Bongo Java and he was telling me about this haunted house in Bell Buckle. Yes, Tennessee. So we may be doing a story on that. And then my last shout out is to the functional baboon ass. Oh my god, we saw at Hail um, Dark Aesthetic. Hail Dark Aesthetic. Oh my god, that was an interesting shop. Let me just tell you. Um, But I look up. This is an oddity store. This is yes. I look up, and there is a stuffed baboon ass with the tail up. And a beer bottle opener right where its butthole was supposed to be. <laughs> and I could not stop staring at it. I almost wanted to get it. Oh my God. But yes. that's a little bit too far. It's a little too far, but I will never forget it. Oh my God. Well, I will say, you have been kind of obsessed with getting something taxidermied I, down here I, in the pod basement. So if any of y'all have hunting family friends that want to get rid of a little, uh, a little taxidermy. Feel free to reach out. Let us know what you got. She's laughing. She's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. I have uh, like a couple just really other quick things about the trip. Y'all are tired of listening to it. I know. We're just sitting here laughing. Um, they, uh, but, you know, it was really, there were a lot of people. Aaron Mankey from Lore was there, if y'all listen yes. to Lore. And he had a lot of really interesting, cool things to say about like how to kind of build your podcast in a way that your your listeners like can you know enjoy more that right. kind of stuff no, but they don't um, hate there, you <laughs> there yeah right there was this um there was this panel called women in podcasting and and there were three women on there uh rabia chaudhry who is from yes. undisclosed um amber hunt from accused and amanda nelson from book riot that I, I wrote down in my notes amber hunt is my hero because 
Her quote was, everyone is an idiot. If they don't act like an idiot, they're also an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I wrote, Amanda Nelson is my hero because she said, if it wouldn't stop a mediocre white man, don't let it stop you. (laughs) And then Rabia Chaudhry is my hero because she said, the best advice is just to fucking do it. Yes. And I was like, I love those three women. Amazing panel. It was a great panel. Um, yeah, we'll put links to all of their podcasts. We, we like, of course, it being a podcast convention, came in contact with so many fantastic personalities mm-hmm. and amazing podcasts. And Stephen from My Favorite Murder did not get stalked by bartender Courtney. Oh. I was really impressed with her restraint. So let me give the shout out to Stephen Ray Morris from My Favorite Murder. Um, so Courtney has been looking for him all weekend. And I think basically he just flew in and mm-hmm. did the show and, and left. So I was going to make it my mission to go to his session for her. So if you don't listen to my favorite murder, um, Stephen Ray Morris is like their audio engineer. And he's been with them pretty much from the beginning. He started a podcast before them, um, the Percast, which oh, is about right. cats. He's the Percast. And he does see Jurassic right, too. Right. Yeah. Um, so cats and dinosaurs. What's not to love about the <laughs> guy? But I've never been a fangirl. I mean, I listen to my favorite murder. I think it's hilarious because they're all the time going, Stephen! <laughs> and like blaming him and making him do all the things, which I think is really funny because he... Um, I wasn't a fangirl until I sat through his session. His session was like how to start a podcast. It was very basic. I figured I'd, since we already started a podcast, everything else, you know would be like old news. But I was hoping he would talk about like some of his equipment that he used and how he got started. <laughs> talk about your equipment. Steve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that took me a little while to get. Um, but anyway, so... I was like, you know, I was enjoying it. He seemed like a nice guy, but there was this older lady in the audience. And when he was talking about Patreon and setting up Patreon, who had no idea what that was. And so, you know, she like interrupted him while he was going through his um, talk. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Could you explain it more? And, you know, he stopped what he was doing. He didn't act put out. There was no like slight rolling of the eye or sighing. He like very matter of factly went through and concisely explained like what Patreon is. And then, you know, he, he, you know, made sure that she understood and then continued on. And she interrupted them again and said, would you mind spelling that? Mm. And again, um, you know, I could feel people around me kind of rolling their eyes, you know, because it was like having like grandmother in the audience asking very basic, like know nothing about computers kind of thing. But he very politely um, spelled it for her, acted like it was no big, like very nice, wasn't like upset that she interrupted him for the second time. So I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm now a super fan girl of um, Stephen Ray Morris because of his humanity, man. Mm. He was like an awesome person. Um, anybody that cannot, that can sit there and answer an older person's very basic questions, um, without showing any kind of like to me that, I mean, that was just showing what kind of character he is. So, um, shout out to Stephen Ray Morris, who will probably never hear this, but (laughs) totally a fangirl now simply because you're an awesome human. Yay! Aww. <laughs> Belief in humanity. Yes. This is happy. Happy. <laughs> well, I had other stories, but we're talking forever about products, and you guys probably want us to get to our actual like content of our show. So nah. maybe we should move on and do those things. <laughs> okay. Um oh, uh Ooh. though did we say out loud that we started a Facebook fan group? We I, I said we the words, but I, it. I didn't like say what it was or where to find it. Okay. Well you can find it on the Facebook. And you search for Fans of the Strange South podcast. Right. If you go to our Facebook page, the Strange South um, podcast. It will be linked through there. There will be like, join our group. And it's, you know, fans of the Strange South. So if you're a fan of the Strange South, join our group. Right. And we are very, I've been very active on there. I've been pretty active too. Yeah. Posting and nonsense and fun stuff and pictures. And we're hoping to like, you know, be a lot more interactive because one of the things I noticed that when I set up the page, it was like really hard to communicate and get the back and forth with um, people who are posting. Mm -hmm. Like it took me forever to find like when somebody posted something. Ooh, thunder. Thunder. Thunder, thunder. Um, and so the group is 
very easy. You'll get responses faster, and we're putting up fun little games that you can play. Um, not like Candy Crush games. Not just like, Candy Crush, but just like, like you know, what's your you know ghost favorite, name or whatever? Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, what's your favorite horror movie? You know, kind of stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. But fun. It's but fun. fun. It is fun. I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it too. So come play with us right. on the Facebook fan group. There we go. There we go. Is it my turn? It is your turn. I was waiting for the thunder to come in. So I was like, cue thunder. <laughs> no, this isn't a very thundery story. I'm 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 going very low key this mm. this week because I'm worn out really. <laughs> but actually, I got this as a tip. There was um a woman named Jocelyn sat next to me in one of the uh one of the podcast workshops that I was in, and I told her about the show, and she's um going to be starting as the first female host of a podcast like in her podcasting network maybe oh okay um but anyways uh <clears throat> best of luck to her she uh spent like part of the time during the workshop looking up <laughs> like a, a screenshot to show me who this guy was she's like have you ever talked about prince mongo in memphis and i was like what? i have no idea what that is yeah and she showed me and she was like look this up this would be fun for your show so i decided that's what i'm gonna do this week and we're gonna do prince mongo from memphis oh um, i love it <clears throat> so more um, so Prince Mongo, I guess the things that come up the most when you, uh, when you look him up on the Google flamboyant, eccentric, a Memphis institution. Oh, love him already. Yeah. <laughs> well, so this dude is, um, at this point, I imagine he's probably in his mid sixties, but they don't see him very much anymore. Uh, he was most active in Memphis, like through i would imagine like through the 80s and 90s would have been when you saw the most of um of prince mongo always barefoot in his latest iteration generally wearing welding goggles and a long gray wig that kind of looks like a mop head <laughs> um okay bermuda shorts um with a rubber chicken hanging from his neck <laughs> all right and um this is his newer look because like back in the i guess like Seven late seventies, early eighties. Generally, if you saw Prince Mongo, he was dressed like a caveman, basically. So like oh. he had like um like uh fur all the time, always wearing fur, even in the summer, fur vests with no shirt on underneath, like looked like a caveman, carried around bones and shit. And like little sacks full of dust that he would sprinkle on people and tell them that they were blessed. Oh. Um he calls everybody spirit. Like, instead of saying, like, hey, champ, mm -hmm. <laughs> he calls everybody a spirit. Um, he claims to be the 333-year-old ruler of the planet Zambodia. Okay. His age apparently has not changed since he started telling people that he was the ruler of Zambodia. Because he's always been 333. <laughs> but um, Good number. This was, I guess, in the late 70s that he first started claiming to be this. So um, he says that when he came to Earth, he scattered into a bunch of pieces. And he's had a whole bunch of different, like, iterations. So at one point, he was um, a caveman, he said. And at one point, he was a Blackfoot Indian chief. And now he is this random guy who has run for mayor in Memphis 13 times. Oh, wow. Which is why he's always on the radar in Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to ask my Memphis friends about him. Seriously. So, um, he says that he came to earth to, um, save the world from countless tragedies. And he already has, we just don't know it. He oh. says he has saved us from lots of Been natural successful. disasters. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very successful man. Um, he, uh, he says he plans to, when the earth disintegrates he plans to take the people that have followed him back to zambodia with him um in that like in 1980 there used to be a show on nbc called real people which is kind of funny it's just like because it's like probably made in hollywood and they're like we don't know what real people look like <laughs> but um they, name made sense to them right they um they interviewed him on real people and i'm gonna put i'm gonna share a link to this interview um in the clip, like, he opens the door for the host, and his hair, it's like Billy Idol's hair, but, like, dark. It's like, <laughs> and he's got those crazy eyes. Oh, man. <laughs> he's wearing, like, an open fur vest and carrying, like, a femur bone. And he leads the host around his femur? house. I, I can't. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. But he's, like, but he also had, like, just random fossils and shit. So it could have been some priceless, like... Right, like antique fossil antiques. Are fossils considered antiques? Is like is is the Fernbank Museum considered an antique shop? Uh, um, I don't know. But um, <clears throat> his house is like trashed on the outside and the inside. He's like everything is overgrown. There's like shit all over his lawn. You just like 
plastic mannequins and like lawn chairs upside down. And inside he's got like, you know, like real silver you know, chess sets just like thrown into a corner and he's got like, he has really priceless antiques just like sitting around his house everywhere. Just, you know, willy nilly, like nobody cares a shit that they're there. Pieces of art, just every, so every single corner is filled with something. Sounds like my house. <laughs> he's, except, Not priceless. I was like, shit. <laughs> and so, um, he's got like, ta- he also has taxidermy stuff everywhere. Like a lot of it hung upside down or on the ceilings mm. or whatever. He's got plaster skeletons, like medical student skeletons mm-hmm. that are dressed up and sitting around the house. And he introduces them as his cousins and brothers and sisters from Zambodia. Okay. Um, so who he really is, is um, his real name is Robert Hodges, um, who inherited a lot of wealth from his parents. People don't really have a lot of details on how or through what, and right. has just, I guess, very interesting ways of living with that wealth. Right. So um, he has had multiple very expensive homes in Memphis, in Fort Lauderdale, and in Virginia Beach. Wow. So, I mean, dude is, and he's got a yacht. I mean, like, dude is forever yeah. loaded. Right. He'll never stop having money, apparently. Right. Um, and like I said, he has run for mayor in Memphis at least 13 times in the last 40 years. Wow. And... um Sometimes he's even come in like third or fourth before. I mean, yeah. Like well, I mean, some of the choices that you have like to pick from. Seriously, you know? I think that was part of his point. Um, so I was trying to figure out like how how does this person be? You know, where do you come from? How do you be? <laughs> how do you be? <laughs> the only reference I could find of his early life was from this like um, like with my minimal hunting that I did like yesterday. Um, is from a thread on a collegiate sports like you know chat room do they still call it that is it still a chat room (laughs) it's like it's not reddit but it's like something like that. chat room's fun um so the the person said prince mongo was a kappa sig at memphis state back in the 60s he had a yellow jaguar and a chimpanzee and went everywhere with him one night some new pledges were messing with the monkey and it attacked one of them and wouldn't let go Holy shit. <laughs> and I was like, and I kept, all I could think of was like, what was it in the like fucking sixties and seventies? Like you were not a real man if you could not have an ape sidekick, you know, like oh my God. it was like Charleston Heston and the planet yes. of the apes and the like Clint Eastwood that every which way, but loose, loose. with the orangutan, right? right? So I was like, Oh my God. It's a th-. and then there were these comments. I was so I went down the rabbit hole of looking for all the chimp related shows from the seventies and eighties, which, you know, if you just have an afternoon to spare, I would highly recommend doing because I had forgotten all about BJ and the bear. And I did not know anything about this show called Lancelot link secret chimp, oh. which I'm also going to link to Okay, <laughs> because it's, it's, I mean, probably sadly exploitative, but fucking hilarious. Um, I don't know why we're obsessed with chimpanzees in this time, but anyways, he did keep this chimpanzee as a pet. People said that he had a, like he had a, um, a motorcycle and he would wear goggles and a leather jacket and the chimp would wear matching goggles and leather jacket oh God, and ride behind adorable. him on the motorcycle. <laughs> and he, I want pictures. I, I couldn't find a picture uh. of this, but I, I may, I found lots of pictures of chimpanzees over the last 24 hours, but I don't think any of them was his. Um, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, he actually, in the late 60s, he owned a men's store called, I don't know how to pronounce it, Delion at Ray, something like that. And the chimp would hang out in the store and, like, greet customers, and, you know, they could walk around the store with it. I mean, and it seems like when he retired this chimp is when he adopted this Prince Mongo personality. Oh. So, because they don't, it sounds like he was not Prince Mongo during the chimp days. Okay. <laughs> so he just, I guess, needs something. Right. He's got to have a crutch, so now it's, I'm a 333-year-old right. you have alien. to have a theme, right? Well, yes. the chimp was his theme. And now, you know, the Prince Mongo. Prince Mongo. Prince Mm -hmm. Mongo, which, you know, to each his own. To each his own. But he, um, yeah, he ended up buying tons of different entertainment venues and properties in Memphis. So he owned a pizza restaurant. I know. Yeah. A pizza restaurant called Prince Mongo's Pizza. He owned a bunch of nightclubs. One of them was um, called Prince Mongo's Planet, which was 30,000 square feet, three floors. Um, Which one of the people on the threads that I was reading quoted where 14 year olds could go get a beer and mingle with belligerent Navy recruits. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, there was another place called the castle, which was housed in, um, like a century old mansion that was actually on the national 
register of historic places. Oh, wow. And he bought it and turned it into a nightclub and just let it go to pot. Oh, wow. Um, but so for each place that he bought, he would own the property, but then he would like gift it to one of his employees, mm -hmm. which like in one hand, that seemed to be his MO, like giving away free stuff was what he did right. all the time. But it also like he would collect rent from them. And he was also then not liable for all the underage drinking cases that came against all these nightclubs because he was very much like walking. I found all these things like there were two, two, there were lawsuits against him because of two drunk driving deaths of teens who had been served at his club. Oh, wow. But he always got out of it because he technically he didn't, didn't have right. yeah the ownership of it. I mean, he owned it, but it was just his rental place. Mm -hmm. um, so he didn't monitor or anything. And since he really, really loved like... He said that he didn't serve underage drinkers, but he loved giving people free stuff. So there were all these stories on this thread that I had found of people like one guy said, I can still remember the time he was going to bury himself in his yard <laughs> or the time the city told him that he could not keep a car in his drive with flat tires. So he rented a forklift and lifted it off the ground. <laughs> and this, this is the one that refers to what I was just saying. I remember walking into his club on front and being around 16, showing no ID or my 16 year old driver's license. And the guy at the door handing me a cup and saying free Coke and free draft beer flowed all night long. Wow. I mean, he just gave away shit to everybody. Um, and he was he was just super weird. But he looked at these crowds as a big family in his oh, own yeah. words. Like they would interview him and he was like he felt because he was, I'm sure, like a sensation today. Every time Mongo shows up, he's going to give people free shit. So they're all all these kids are like, yes, you're our savior. You're right? our hero. How cool is that? Yes. And then except he didn't take the consequences of his right. actions, you know, when it came. So he got into trouble with the law a lot because mm -hmm. of his eccentricities. His neighbors would report him for noise violations. They said that he would howl at the moon from his roof. But I saw a video of him doing this. And it's more like it. it is, again, ape-like he's like like chimpanzees screaming at each other like that mm -hmm. crazy noise right. like deep noise that's what he does from his roof oh wow and so he got in trouble with the law for keeping his neighbors up all night um he had to go to court after be demanding being demanded to remove a collection of patio furniture beach umbrellas mannequin heads toilet seats and other items from his east memphis front yard um he's been jailed for contempt of court because whenever he has to appear before the judge he would appear in like what was there was one green body paint wearing a fur loincloth. <laughs> so he would have to pay fines for that and be jailed for that. That's amazing. He would. I mean, he had a he had an argument with a neighbor in the 70s. And like, instead of working it out in any way, he just took a bunch of just shit and dumped it on the guy's yard and said, it's an art installation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, that castle nightclub, he bought that. Um, it was called Ashler Hall, that place that was on the National Historic Register. Um and he turned it into the Castle Nightclub. He bought it in the early 90s. And he had, like, metal art installed. They graffitied all the walls inside. Like, turned an entire floor into the dance floor. I have some pictures um, of it. But, I mean, and as much as I'm like, oh, God, National Historic Register. Oh, my God, what have you done? Part of me is like, that must have been a kick-ass place to hang out and, like, oh, yeah. fuck around. <laughs> um, and he said, one time the fire marshal came and said that they had to Oh, this is a quote from him. When the fire marshal came and said they had to shut us down because we had more than 88 people in here, it infuriated me, he said. So that next Monday morning, I started bringing in 800 tons of sand to put on the property. If they'll only let me leave 88 people inside, I decided to give everyone a reason to stay outside. They can restrict me to having only eight people inside. I don't care. I'll just take everybody out in the sand. <laughs> So, like, instead of actually following the rules, he was always just like, I will find another way to piss you off. Exactly. Um, so, like I said, he ran for mayor every every year since, like, 1978, I think. Every time that they've had a mayoral race, he has run. Um, he attends the debates. Oh, my God. The debate moderators will be interviewed after the fact, and they are so fucking pissed every oh. time because he is just a shit show. <laughs> I mean, like, he is a mess. And he tells, like, he... Actually, they said sometimes he will have a legitimate solution. It's most of his solutions are not backed up by any pragmatic sense of like, how are we going to pay for your solution? It's he just, just wants to talk. He just wants to talk and say, I mean, um, his 1992 platform. Okay. It was a 10 point platform. This is from um, Ron Levy marked this out in his book, Tales of a Road Dog. Um, the lowdown along the blues highway, which actually could be a really good book. I didn't read the rest of it, but um it said, Mongo promises to make taxes optional, exempt senior citizens from taxes, utility bills, and be given free medical benefits. Sounds good. Right? I'm on board. Um, give free public transportation and rehab centers for the handicapped. Mm -hmm. 
house the homeless in public buildings with food and wine served daily. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm still I'm still on board. Allow a referendum vote for gambling casinos and lotteries. No more wasteful spending, which I think people would argue, argue already that maybe he's got a problem with that. Right. Fire all racists at the Board of Education and completely reconstruct the system. Have public hangings at Court Square every Friday at 3.33 p.m. for all cr- criminals who commit heinous crimes. Arm every citizen with 357 Magnums and Uzis in high crime areas and exile the circuit court clerk and all city councilmen and pit bulls to an island in the Lesser Antilles. That was his 10 point platform. And I was like, some of these I'm behind you. And then you are apeshit. Crazy. A little bit of a Jesus complex there with the giving wine to all. (laughs) I know. But yeah, he and, and that kind of thing was like one of the weird has been one of the weird like, um, I want to say dichotomy. I don't know if that's the right word, but anyways, it's not juxtaposition. <laughs> juxtaposition about his character. He I, like his pizza restaurant. He he claimed to and probably did at some level donate the profits to St Jude Hospital and would serve any St Jude kid free. Right. Um, clearly, he gave away free stuff. Like every day, he would regularly. Every time he was in Memphis he would cook food like huge breakfasts and invite people who didn't have places to live. He would invite like homeless people that were like staying under bridges and overpasses and he would drive them to his house and serve them like bottomless breakfast or he would take coolers upon coolers in his car and drive them out and hand them out. Right. Um, And he thought it was just a travesty that there were that many people who didn't have places to live and didn't have food in Memphis at his Fort Lauderdale house. He advertised in the paper for a family to come and live there for 30 months, $30 a month rent. And he said his list of things that they had to, he had, they had to meet certain criteria. And some of it was, you have to have a long list of felonies and a large family. Oh, wow. And, um, he actually, when he's not at that Fort Lauderdale house, he just leaves the, he leaves it open and expects people to come and take whatever's in it and live there. Oh, wow. And so like, that's, that's one of his things. I wonder how that's worked out for him. I don't know, but apparently he has the money to make it up. Right. If, you know, if it doesn't work out well. So I think the sad, the sad thing about this story is like the most recent stuff I can find about Prince Mongo was from like a year ago on a Memphis Reddit where people were saying he's turned into like a right wing, like, racist birther which sounds completely opposite of some of the other stuff but you know what like everything he did sounded completely opposite to everything else he did you know i mean like so i'm not i'm not sure but i couldn't find much about him that was in the past like Mm. 10 years wow so um but he is definitely still remembered in memphis and you know i think there was there was a page that was mongo for 2020 um mayoral campaign so who knows maybe we'll see him again soon (laughs) right no that that's that's very interesting oh my gosh so i know a lot of people in memphis i will definitely either hopefully they're listening or if they're not then i'll ask about him yeah and give us like i want to know like real people input because that's what i was looking for yeah because the newspapers had stuff the same old stuff to say about him but it was like on those threads where people were telling their stories about like their experiences with him Mm -hmm. i'd be curious to hear more about that absolutely that is fascinating so there you go prince manga yes now for a quick intermission let's all go to the party (laughs) and we're back and we're back all right so my, I don't know why I went with this. I got on Kindle and I've been looking up all these books, you know. I'm sorry, for a second, in my head, I that whole like beat where you were just saying that was me staring at you saying, did you just say you got on Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very interesting story. <laughs> I'll tell you about <laughs> the strange sounds. <laughs> oh, um, no, no, Kindle. I'm sorry. <clears throat> yes. It does kind of sound like Tinder, but not really. Not really, no. Okay. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know a good way to, like, I should probably just start over again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the awkward need to we hug somebody. Always... <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a hug, Patrice? <laughs> this is the story of Susanna Evans versus Ignoramuses. Oh, there are so many stories like that in the South. Woman versus ignoramus. This is true. It's like the entire political system. This is true. And this is starting all the way back in 1692 in Salem, Massachusetts. Oh. So we know that during that time, there's like mass hysteria um, due to the witch trials in Salem at that mm-hmm. time. 
And it's really kind of perplexing because the Puritans who came over to America, they were escaping religious persecution. (laughs) However, they came over and religiously persecuted people who did not (laughs) believe what they believed in. I learned it by watching you, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, just really weird. So... During this time, they accused about 200 individuals of witchcraft. And in 1693, they actually executed 20 people Mm. um, for witchcraft. And 14 of those people were women. The five others didn't were not executed. However, they died in prison, and that included two infants. Oh my god. So motherfuckers, right? Uh during this time, however, they estimate estimate that like uh, sixty thousand people were executed uh, during witch trials. Like you know, during the whole not the Satanic Panic, it's the witch persecution time period. Uh, sixty thousand people were executed um, as witches. Whoa. And this was between like 1500 to 1799. So it's like over 300 years that mm-hmm. this kind of stuff went on. A lot of people. And it kind of died down again. And a lot of our stories do come from the Victorian age. And we do talk about Queen Victoria, who came into power around 1837 or so. And because she was obsessed with the occult. And you can't really call your queen, I guess you could call your queen a witch, but she was such a successful witch that they like shut the fuck up and so often are. (laughs) Yes. Let her do her thing. So, but Salem was unique because this happened in America. This, you know, most of the uh, persecution against witches and executions were over in Europe, um, which at the time was still extremely superstitious but it kind of followed over to America and um, happened in Salem, which was unique compared to the other colonies because other colonies were like, what the fuck are y'all doing, Salem? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, colonials who came over were more worried about surviving than superstition. Yeah, they're like, we don't have time for this <laughs> we shit. We don't have time for this shit. <laughs> that is exactly like, right. You are killing healthy so, young people who could work right, for us. Right, <laughs> who were probably medical people who were contributing to the community. Uh, but news of Salem broke out in the colonies and, you know, and like I said, you know, most of the Americans colonials during this time were just calling bullshit on this whole thing. Mm. They're like this, that y'all are just fucked up. We don't know what you're doing up there. Um, we don't have time for your bullshit. And one of the people who said this was actually a noted Quaker called Thomas Mall. And he publicly criticized the handling of the trials by the Puritan leaders um, they were basically leading by fear. Mm-hmm. They were fear mongering, right? Huh. Hmm. And, um, <laughs> you know, and he said it were better that a hundred witches should live than one person be put to death for a witch, which is not a witch. Mm. So he's like, stop killing people in general. Also uh, a tongue twister. Right. It was a very, a witch, t- yeah, which is not a witch. Oh, yield English. They, they spoke weird, right? <laughs> However, after he said that, he was imprisoned for a year. Oh. Obviously, he pissed somebody off who was in leadership role. And for me, if somebody would have, like, imprisoned me for speaking my mind in America of a bunch of people who came over to be rid of religious persecution, uh, I would have been going to the nearest swamp and finding me a hoodoo priestess and <laughs> give me a little, like, mojo sack to put under somebody's bed, you know. <laughs> been all up in it right and so you know most had common sense though during that time regarding like allegations of witchcraft and they understood really what it is it it was people taking the opportunity to levy revenge Mm -hmm. and to get power over people that they didn't like it's basically doing to others so you can get back at them for whatever petty slight you feel that they have done to you yeah So this is the story we're going to talk about today. So in 1703, which is 11 years after Salem, um, North Carolina has its first documented case of someone being accused of witchcraft. And the accuser was Deborah Boother. I mean, it's pretty... 
Boother. That's her name. Her name now forever shall be Deborah Boother. Right. And she was from Alby Marie County, North Carolina. Uh, so the Boothers had a servant named Mr. Walker. And one day he fell sick with stomach pains and was unable to work that day. So Mr. Boother called on his servant's wife, who would be Mrs. Walker, correct, to come and nurse her husband because he was sick. So Mrs. Walker uh, came the next morning from the Evans house. So the couple, the two servants, mm-hmm. were married to each other. One was working with the Boothers and one was working at the Evans house. So she came over and nursed him back to health. And Thomas Boother stated shortly afterwards um, that Mrs. Walker arrived, uh, that his wife, Deborah, became extremely ill with pains in her feet. And Deborah told Thomas that the pains in her feet and legs felt like thousands of nails piercing her skin. Hmm. So I'm thinking plantar fasciitis, mm. you know, something, something like that. I don't know what other things that can make like your whole leg hurt, but there are several ailments. Anyway, yeah, modern medicine we know now, right? So anyway, she's having a hard time walking. And so what she did, she soaked her feet um, in hot water for 24 hours. And then the next day she felt better. Huh. However, she started developing terrible stomach pains, just like Mr. Walker had. So neighbors and family came to visit, and they ended up developing terrible stomach pains and severe bowel problems. What's in the water? Right. So I'm like, welcome to elementary school viruses, people. It's like every day they run rampant. It's really bad. (laughs) <laughs> However, um, Deborah Boother was in agony, and she blamed her agony on her neighbor, Susanna Evans, um, who was a respected woman of the community, which should be the first red flag there. So somebody that's in a higher position, maybe, mm-hmm. that's well-respected by the community, um, having others who are jealous and saying things about them that ring ring a bell. Like, you make my stomach hurt. <laughs> so she accused Susanna of bewitching her, and she begged her husband Thomas to investigate so that she, to keep Susanna from bringing more harm, from spreading this illness to other peoples, which apparently she was doing. Oh, my God. So living in a small community, it didn't take long before Susanna and John Evans started hearing these accusations, and especially since the two servants were married to each other. So I'm sure it got over to them pretty fast. Mm-hmm. As and fast as a stomach virus. As fast as a stomach virus. So John and Susanna confronted Thomas and asked him, you know, to pretty much stop spreading these lies about us. They're not true. Um And, you know, of course, there was a little row, and it ended up being that um, Mr. Evans punched Mr. Thomas in the face, (laughs) because obviously he was not giving up on, like, spreading these rumors. As you would if somebody's like, your wife's a witch. Exactly. (laughs) And that's dangerous. I mean, this is 11 years out from the Salem witch trials when all these people were accused of... This is kind of in the back of everybody's mind. He's just like, shut up. Mm-hmm. You know, you're spreading vicious rumors. It's not true. And you're damaging, you know, our reputation and name. Slander, people. <laughs> and so Deborah actually continued to get worse from her ailments and ended up dying. Oh. But before she died, she made her husband promise that he would... Um, bring up a suit against the Evans for this witchcraftery. <gasps> I like that word. <laughs> witchcraftery. Witchcraftery. So the day after she died, he went and filed a claim stating that Suzanne Evans of Curituck have not having the fear of God before her eyes, but being led by the instigation of the devil, did devilishly and maliciously bewitch with the assistance of the devil, <laughs> afflict the body of up. my wife, Deborah Boother, with moral pains that caused her death. Moral pains? Mm, mo- sorry. Mortal pains. <laughs> I was like, there's some wow. moral problems going on there too, right? Um, mortal pains. 
So they took it to the grand jury and they heard Mr. Evans, you know, claims. Luckily, thank God, people ain't got time for that. <laughs> um, there was a well-known sea captain named Cornelius Jones who served as the foreman during the grand jury. And Captain Jones had been like, he knew of the atrocities up in Salem. He knew what a shit show that was. And he also, um, he convinced the jurors just to dismiss, you know, the witchcraft charges. He's like, this is going to bring um, mass hysteria and we can't afford it right now. Um, We're just trying to survive. Everybody's Mm -hmm. trying to make a living. And so he convinced the jury um, and the jury found the petition filed by Thomas Boothier um, caused also damage and detriment to the Evans and there was no proof um, that was submitted that she bewitched anybody because it was bullshit <laughs> and caused her death. Um, she was just unlucky and died, right? Did they ever say anything about why she thought that this woman would want her to die? Well, like- there is alluding to that maybe they had a disagreement mm-hmm. in in the past. And it may have been like, you know, jealousy or just petty revenge. Basically, and, you know, if she knew that she was going to die, she was going to take down Susanna Evans with her. Wow. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, lovely. So, the final saying on Thomas Boother versus John and Susanna Evans, we of ye jury find no bill in ye person ignoramus, <laughs> and it is ordered that Susan Evans be acquitted, pay the charges. <laughs> I swear to God, that's what it says. Ignoramus, pay the charges. Pay the charges. Um, so even though, you know, Susanna was not found guilty during this trial, it damaged her reputation. And tell folks, you know, they basically kept her distance, their distance from her, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. But that was the first witch trial, North Carolina, against Susanna Evans versus the Ignoramuses. <laughs> Ignoramuses. It's nice to know that the ignoramuses didn't win. Yes. I'm going to hold that close to my Thank heart. Thank God. Thank God for <laughs> the sea captain who's hardworking, common sense person. It's like, we do not have time for any of your petty bullshit. Next. <sighs> Lord. Lord. <laughs> so that was the first, was it the first in North Carolina or the first in the South? No, that was the first in North Carolina. Oh crazy i know i wonder what the second was but you know again during this time it's just kind of the easy scapegoat to you know get people who you don't like into a whole bunch of trouble if not killing them but at least giving them a whole bunch of grievous Mm -hmm. because you know you have these um puritans who suffer not a witch to live something that they really believed in like the true hearted ones i guess where the rest were like we're just trying to survive you know, smallpox and yellow fever. <laughs> I'm just and we need to we need all them witchy pox. women around to like you know get rid of our lice and you know help <laughs> our bowels move. I don't know. <laughs> this is Patrice Anderson on the value of witches. <laughs> witches are valuable people. You keep them around. We validate you, witches. We do. <laughs> And that's our show. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye, y'all. Follow us on Facebook at The Strange South, Instagram at The Strange South Podcast, or on Twitter at Strange South Pod, and check out our website, thestrangesouth.com. And for extra fun and goodies, join our Facebook fan group, Fans of The Strange South Podcast. Let's all go to the party. <laughs> I should probably just start over again. <laughs> I feel the awkward need to hug somebody. <laughs>